Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. If we're going to meet our climate goals, the truth is sooner or later, nearly everything will have to be electric. We just can't keep burning fossil fuels to heat water and air and cook food and somehow expect emissions to drop. But we can make strides toward all electric buildings while we increase the renewable energy being fed onto the grid. Here's the thing, though. The details are very TBD. When's the change going to happen for millions of homes? How? Who's going to be able to afford it in this economy? We dig into the coming electrification for our next edition of Climate Fix, our collaboration with the KQED science team. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Most California homes use electricity that arrives via the grid for important things. Lights, obviously, but other forms of power, too. But we use fossil fuels for other things, mostly heating air, heating food, heating water, or running an air conditioning system. Climate advocates note that we can do pretty much everything with electricity alone, which will reduce emissions now and even more over time as the grid relies less and less on natural gas plants. This is our latest edition of Climate Fix, our monthly collaboration with the KQED science team here at the station. And here to talk with us about the all-electric home and how we get from here to there. We're joined by Laura Clivens, climate reporter at KQED. Welcome. Thank you. And we're joined by Alejandra Mejia Cunningham, senior building decarbonization advocate with the National Resources Defense Council. Welcome. Hi. So, Laura, what's the big picture here? Like, what's, how big of a role do homes play in, in climate change and in our emissions in the, in the society? Yeah, well, in California, we can think of about a quarter of emissions are coming from homes both within the home and then energy created off-site to power the home. Um, and what that looks like is sort of what you talked about. Like, we're lighting little fires everywhere within our home. And the idea is if we can sort of concentrate it and put it all into the grid, and then the grid will green, that that is one way to decarbonize mm-hmm. our homes. Yeah. Because, Alejandra, at this point, the grid uh, in California is coming up on 50% renewable electricity. Yeah. We've had hours of the day where 100% of our power was clean. Mm-hmm. And when we quantify emissions from homes, like what are the kind of the big categories that we would that we'd really look at and say, okay, this is where the emissions are coming from? Yeah. So aside from the electricity, which I put in a 
bucket mm-hmm. onto its own. That's the lights, the microwave, the TV. Um, the, the really big ones where we're, as Laura said, burning fossil fuels in our homes are most often for space heating and water heating. What that is, it's your HVACs and water heaters. Um, of course, a lot of us use gas to, to cook on our stoves, but the biggest sources of emission are by far your HVACs and your air condi- uh, and your water heaters. Yeah. And though it's small, I was like surprised at the clothes dryer also. A lot of them. Oh, right. right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense <laughs> though, right? You got to, that takes a lot of, a lot of energy to dry the clothes, yeah, right? Forgot yeah. About that. Always forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in this show, we're going to focus on the residential emissions, but give our listeners, Alejandra, like the landscape a little bit of building emissions generally, like looking at the commercial side too. Yeah. So... Altogether, buildings on a global scale, scale, they comprise about 28% of emissions. So it's a big chunk. Um, In California, as I think you might have said, Alexis, um, buildings are responsible in building operations. This does not include the energy that goes into constructing. Yeah. Yeah concrete and whatnot. Um, so operations comprise are uh, about 40% of uh, U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. That tends to be a little uh, lower in California in, in a big chunk because of the, the electricity. It is already so clean. Mm. Um, the, the key takeaway from all of this is that we cannot meet our 2050 climate emissions or climate goals um, without thinking about our building emissions. Yeah. I mean, Laura, I feel like in California, most places, and certainly here in the Bay Area, we kind of have an advantage, right? Because the climate is not as extreme as it is in, you know, the upper Midwest, say, right? So how does that play into the way that uh, our homes end up using energy? Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, one thing is to think about is... um, Yes, that's true. Like, we haven't had our heater on for a very long time. (laughs) But... um, but also, as the climate changes, there are we're ha- seeing more of these extreme heat days. Um, and so, like, for the first time, I'm thinking about, do we need, like, AC in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing to think about there is with the space heating, there's this awesome thing called a heat pump, which um, we'll hear more about later. Um, but uh, it can work as both a heater for your space and a cool – it can cool you off. Mm-hmm. And it basically works – um, it works like a t- typical AC where it just takes warm air from one place and moves it to another. Um, and so that's that's one thing to think about as we're moving forward. And that can be more cost effective than getting both an AC and replacing a furnace. Yeah. Laura, I mean, when we think about the Bay Area, too, we do have a lot of renters here. In fact, so, you know, some of the cities are majority renters. Are th- is there anything that's in the control of renters? Can they do anything to sort of get their landlords to electrify or do anything to help on the score? (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, so what you could do in your own uh, home or apartment that you rent is you can get an induction cooktop and you could just like place that on top of you if you have a gas stove like I do, for example. Um, And then that takes care of um, gas coming from there. You know, the benefit of that is uh, is there's a lot of pollutants that go into the air when we actually use gas. And so I have young kids, so I don't want to be exposing them to that stuff a lot. So I think about that. Um, Another one is for the heat pump that I mentioned that can both cool and heat. They actually, there are window units. um, And so Hmm. you could put that in your window and you can carry both of those things with you as you move from apartment or house to house. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alejandro, let's talk a, a little bit about induction. 
I mean, people may have heard about electric uh, cooktops because they became briefly part of a culture war. Um, <laughs> talk to me about just what induction is and how it might differ from the kind of electric range that I grew up with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the key part. First of all, um, like I said earlier, stoves are really a small piece of the, the emissions for buildings. They are a big piece of the health of your home, though, because we do see more and more science coming out saying that the, the emissions, the, the particle matter that comes out in your kitchen while you're cooking, especially with gas, can have serious health effects, like increase significantly the chance of your kids having um, active asthma if you're cooking with gas. So we give people, there are things that people can do already to, to address that, like open your windows or um, use your vent hood. But if you do want to go that step further and go to induction, it's good to remember that this, we're not telling you to buy the old like coil electric resistance stove right. that, like you said, you, you grew up with. That's not the most yeah, fun I'm, to cook with. I'm still boiling water from my childhood, I think. It yeah, still exactly. Hasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the alternative uh, to, to like high-end gas stoves um, or like high-performance gas stove is what we call induction. And that technology relies on magnets. The, the old one was electric resistance, just like your old light bulb that you actually don't even see in California anymore <laughs> um, that was so inefficient. So the, the, in, the new technology relies on magnets. It doesn't create it doesn't have heat within the stove itself it just uses induction induction forces magnet forces to create that heat in your pan so it just the stovetop itself does not ever get hot yeah. which is cool it's safer for your young kids um, but also it works super fast yeah. much faster than even like your commercial strength gas burners. Yeah, we went induction in our house and it is like magical. And people like come over and they watch you boil water and they're like, oh man, that induction, that's kind <laughs> of amazing, you know? <laughs> and it's it's also kind of fascinating because you can see that there is a range, like the, the induction uh, cooktops now are not like more expensive than a, a kind of standard gas uh, range, right? I mean, it's kind of all in the same kind of price range. It depends on uh, whether you're comparing it to a, like high end to high end. Um, but even if you're not, there's also now it's a great time to be thinking about decarbonizing or electrifying your building because there is all this federal money coming down the pike that will help you um, take advantage in the case of your stove. It would be a, a tax re rebate. So mm -hmm. if, even if there is $300, $500 more expensive at the po point where you're purchasing it, by the end of the tax year, if you do file taxes, um, you would get that money back as part of your tax uh, rebate. Um, so we're going to talk more and more about uh, retrofitting as this show goes on. But talk to me a little bit about the like new builds. Um, is electrification already the standard for those? Um, it, yes. Well, it depends. Um, it, these are all very complicated. Um, it, in California, we are lucky that we have a statewide code. And that statewide code is it strongly encourages all electric building. Mm -hmm. um, the reality is that for years, building all electric is has been more affordable than piping a building for electricity and also for pipes for for methane gas. Mm -hmm. So what the the challenge there was was getting the building industry that's used to building one way to get it 
to to understand that there are cost advantages and there are health advantages and just marketing advantages to go all electric. And so that's something that the California Energy Commission has been slowly working up to. That uh, statewide electric code that. Um, strongly encourages uh, all electric new construction. There's also funding in California. There are uh, state programs for both affordable housing and market rate housing that help builders make that leap to all electric uh, new homes. Mm-hmm. Have, and, oh, go ahead. Well, we can. I can add. We also have some regulation from the air quality um, regulators that, towards the end of this decade, requires that new um, space and water heaters. Um, are zero emissions. And that doesn't mean like going into people's houses and ripping out the old ones before they are done. It just means that if you're going to buy new, um, that that is that's what's going to be offered to you towards the end of the decade. Got it. Got it. We're talking about home electrification as a growing strategy for addressing climate change with Laura Clivens, climate reporter with KQED, and Alejandro Mejia Cunningham, who's a senior building decarbonization advocate with the Natural Resources Defense Council. We want to hear from you. Have you electrified your home all the way? Have you electrified part of your home? Have you gone induction, heat pump? What'd you do? Give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. And you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on threads, all the places, really. Uh, We are KQED Forum. One of our listeners, Sue, writes in to note some of the difficulties. Electrification in San Francisco is not so easy. Many of our homes are 100 years old. It'll require incentives to help homeowners bring more power to their homes. First things first. And we're going to talk all about uh, incentives and retrofits. When we get back from the break, we also have some special electric music for you. Um, I'll tell you the name when we get back from the break. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. 
I'm Alexis Madrigal. Before the break, we heard Electric Boogie by Marsha Griffiths. I know people are out there, um, you know, shazamming. We're talking about home electrification as a growing strategy for addressing climate change. We've been joined by Laura Clivens, climate reporter with KQED, because this is Climate Fix, our monthly collaboration with the KQED science team. We're also joined by Alejandra Mejia Cunningham, senior building decarbonization advocate with NRDC. Want to add a couple of other guests to our conversation. Sam Kalish is chief technology officer with the Channing Street with Channing Street Copper, a Berkeley-based company that makes induction stoves, also a founding staffer and advisor to Rewiring America, who's known as Mr. Heat Pump. <laughs> Sam, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Are you actually known as Mr. Heat Pump? <laughs> I am, yeah. I have a costume and everything. It's you... a it's a great alter ego to talk to people about electrification. <laughs> there is, for those who are curious, there is a video of Sam dressed as Mr. Heat Pump um, out there in the world, if you're if you're curious. Costume inspiration for Halloween. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Just thousands of Mr. Heat Pumps out there. Heat Pump Barbie, et cetera. Um, <laughs> uh, let's bring in also Mark Hall, CEO and founder of Revalue.io, a company that helps homeowners transition to clean energy sources for their homes. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Sam, what does it mean to electrify your home? Like, from from your perspective as someone, I know Rewiring America has really been pushing this as a as a climate change strategy. To you, what does it really look like? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the question. To me, it looks like sort of taking a step back and considering all of the decisions that you make related to your home. Um, you might own, you might rent, but you have agency in these things. And you can really make a pretty big dent in the climate problem just by considering these decisions carefully. How you heat your home, how you heat your water, how you cook your food, where you get your power from, what you, and what you drive. These like roughly five decisions uh, impact about 42% of U.S. energy emissions. So it's actually a really big chunk that we have agency over. Now, these are difficult pieces of infrastructure in our lives that we have to upgrade. We can't do it all in one fell swoop. And it can be expensive, but as the as noted previously, there's an unprecedented amount of federal money that's set aside to help individuals do this work, and so it's the it's the best time to start thinking about it. Yeah, uh, Mark Hall, someone who helps people do this, like what's the first step that people should take if they kind of want to go down this path? Uh, so I, I'd say, well, we uh, normally tell folks an energy audit is is the first step. That's sort of like your your triage to find out, um, you know, your existing conditions. You know, how are you currently using energy in your home? How well sealed your home is because um, air leakage is 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 huge. Um, and then really just sort of you know going through that maze of different rebates and incentives that are available that you can apply to that set of recommendations that comes from the energy audit. Mm-hmm. Because so. it's all different, right? Like different cities have uh, different rebates or incentives, and then there's the state level, and now you know these these federal uh, laws come into effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, everything from you know utilities, their local grant programs, depending on your your income level. Um, you know, there's there's a whole range, a whole you know sort of you know soup of of, of things that that you can apply to the to those recommendations. Yeah. In- mm-hmm. If I can add, we are lucky in California. We do have uh, an excellent resource that sort of centralizes that and points us to, especially like for small single family owners, 
or renters. Um, that points us to trusted contractors that can tap from all those uh, different that different uh, soup of resources, <laughs> and that is switcheson.org. Switcheson.org. Which, yes, um, which you can just type in your address. And it'll tell you what you, who can give you what you need. And those are really vetted contractors uh, and service people that, like I said, can really know where to pull the money. Yeah. Let's bring in uh, some callers here. Um, Linda in San Jose, welcome. Yeah, hi. My name is Linda. And as a mother, the biggest reason I got an induction stove was for the health benefits. I have a kid with asthma. And I learned that children growing up in homes with gas stoves have a 42% increased risk of getting asthma. So that was a wake-up call, and I can't tell you how happy we are with our induction stove. It's really safe and easy to clean, uh, no emissions, and really good for the climate. So I also wanted to say that for those who can't put in the full cooktop, um, you can buy an induction hob from Ikea for about $50. (laughs) So even renters and those on lower incomes can get that. Yeah, yeah. So I highly recommend it as a parent. Great. Thank you so much, Linda. Cool. Yeah. Um, let's bring in uh, one more call. Let's go to uh, Nick in Oakland. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, no, I've been on an electrification journey as well. By the way, another great resource is Rewiring America. They have uh, calculators and uh, a lot of information on rebates uh, from the island, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, I used Quit Carbon for the, uh, to create a plan for me, uh, basically an electrification plan. I used Energy Sage to help me select a solar contractor. So there are lots of great companies out there that, that help um, sort of get through this jungle of, of confusion around electrification. Um, the, the one thing I did run into, though, so... I put solar on my roof. I have an electric car. Um, I have a, uh, a cooktop. I have just a, a duction plug-in. Uh, I haven't done the stove yet. But sort of when you go through that, you then run into the issues where you see, oh, now my panel isn't sufficient. Mm. So my solar company basically just quit uh, my date because they said the panel wasn't okay. Yeah. I then decided to go with a really smart panel uh, because, you know, that's the modern thing. And then I realized that some of the installers didn't actually understand how they work. So there are sort of follow-on things. It feels like we're still working through some of the kinks, but it's super exciting to see all these companies that are coming out with innovations and things that have just not been innovated. So yeah, long. totally. Nick, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Oh, yeah, go go ahead. Sorry about that, Sam. Thank you for raising that, Nick. It's a really important sort of latent issue in electrification is what about uh, if I need to run a new circuit, say, to a new water heater or stove where I didn't have one before? Or what if I need to upgrade my uh, breaker box? Luckily, in the IRA, there are new incentives to help support that, to help pay for that for people, both at the rebate level, which is targeted at low and moderate income households, but also at the tax incentive level. Um, and then in addition, I'm, I'm so glad you pointed out the, the new products coming to the market to, to help avoid the need to do this altogether. Um, I have to plug my company, Channing Copper, that makes an induction stove that plugs into the existing outlet that's already behind your gas stove. Um, so the way we do that is there's a there's a battery built into the stove that allows it to give you that really nice induction experience with you know a lot of power but then only draws a small amount of power from the wall. So you don't have to do any electrical upgrades to get induction in this case. 
And I just want to add, like, when I started learning about this stuff, I was kind of like, right, my panel, like, the panel is just for the people who are like me. Like, the panel's that box that, like, when your power goes out, you go and you flip some switches, right? That is what we're talking about. And so some people need to upgrade that. Um, and and But also what Sam is talking about is, like, innovations are allowing us to retain panels that might not have as much capacity um, and still electrify. So that's also pretty exciting. You know, Markal, I was curious about the process of working with contractors who you're trying to maybe bring up to speed on some of the newer technologies or ways of doing things. Do you find, for example, that if you just go to, you know, a random HVAC guy and you're like, hey, this person wants to put in a heat pump, they're like, oh, yeah, of course, we can totally do that. Or are they sort of like, eh, are you sure? Yeah, what we found is that, you know, contractors are uh, on on the learning curve, you know, like like a lot of us uh, are. Um, uh, you know, we talked about the, the Switches On um, website where there are signed up participating, they call them participating contractors that have already gone through a training that understand, um, you know, why heat pumps are are um, are better. Uh, and so that's that's usually, the, you know, a good resource to go. Um, if you don't, a lot, a lot of us here in the Bay Area, we have a, a workforce development program where we, we actually train contractors and take them through the process of getting signed up with local rebate programs like Bayran. Um, so, yeah, to your point, um, there are a lot of legacy contractors that, you know, do still sort of spec gas equipment. Um, and, you know, that's an ongoing process to sort of get more contractors into the fold. Uh, Mr. Heat Pump, Sam Kalish, I do want to talk to you briefly about heat heat pumps because I I think some people kind of feel like there must be some sort of like magic going on right like it's like what do you mean you can heat the space for less you know for with with less energy than it would take to just you know burn natural gas and and make a space warmer so talk to me a little bit about just like the actual like science of the heat pump you know roughly I think magic is a pretty good uh theory for its operation um the uh so so yeah um heat pumps are thermodynamic devices uh that sounds fancy but that you know you have a couple of them in your house already likely your refrigerator is a heat pump uh secretly you don't know it if you put your hand behind the heat uh, refrigerator you can feel that it's hot back there and what it's doing is it's taking all of the heat that's inside the cabinet where your milk is and it's sort of pulling it out and it's it's uh, it's sticking it out the back of the machine and so we can use that same technology to heat our homes um, and so instead of sticking it out the back of the refrigerator we're kind of concentrating it and bringing it inside of our homes in the winter and then in the summer you flip a valve and it operates in reverse and in that case, it ships that heat outside your house, which makes it colder inside your house, uh, which is called air conditioning. Um, so here's a good question I have. I, I was thinking about heat pumps, and I was thinking about uh, a book by an academic I had you know, sitting on my desk in 2008, which was all saying basically that heat pumps are like one of the most necessary technologies for a climate transition. And here we are, you know, 15 years later. And we're still kind of talking about we need to start installing some heat pumps. So, so why didn't this become kind of the basic technology for doing space heating? So it's important to note that while it's widely known that electric vehicles and solar have been on this crazy exponential curve of getting better and better and cheaper and cheaper, um, the same has been happening for heat pumps, just with far less fanfare. Um, <laughs> heat pumps have gotten much, much better in the last 10 years. And they've sort of crossed this critical threshold where even if 
your electricity comes all from fossil fuels at the power plant. And if you take that to a heat pump, it's still lower emissions uh, than using a furnace in your house. Um, and that's incredible. And that's only possible because heat pumps are able to uh, produce three times as much heat energy as it takes electricity to run them. That's the magic part. And that number has just been marching up and up and up over the last 10 years. And now we're at a point where uh, where it's both an emissions win, but it's also a win on utility bills um, because they use so little energy that uh, in lots and lots of places they can reduce bills by a lot. And also they've changed, right? Like we had an understanding. I think some people know about heat pumps, but they think, okay, they don't work in extremely cold climates. But now my understanding is the technology has gotten to a point where they actually do. Exactly. So we've uh, kind of advanced the types of compressors that we use and the way refrigerant uh, is moved through the machine. And all of these little technical improvements have allowed heat pumps to operate down to you know, well below minus 20 Fahrenheit, you know, that never gets anywhere near that cold here in in, uh, the Bay Area. But uh, it it has allowed heat pumps to be a viable solution for places like Maine, places like Minnesota, Alaska. (laughs) Uh, Maine is installing heat pumps like gangbusters. It's it's crazy. They've got all these people with like tanks of fuel on their property. So it kind of like, hmm, that seems like a good win. Mark, do you want to say something about heat pumps, too? Yeah, uh, well, you know, less actually about the the technology and the heat pump. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, conversation going on around the messaging uh, for installing these equipment. There's a big focus on the actual heat pump equipment itself. But um, I'm also on the board of Efficiency First California. Uh, it's an industry resource for energy efficiency contractors, and it's called Efficiency First because you know you can't can't say enough about uh, reducing your your actual load, making the home or the building more efficient before you install a heat pump um, so that you're actually installing the right size equipment. So, you know, we've talked about heat pumps being like three times more efficient than gas systems. But, you know, we always say air sealing and insulation is like the lowest cost, highest impact thing that you can do. So, you know, even when you install that super efficient heat pump, you may not even have to run it as much. And then we're talking about mild climates as well. So, Right, right. Oh, yeah. I'm so ahead. glad you. Oh, yeah. What, one, I'm one so second. glad you brought that up, Mark. Uh, just because that that point about doing efficiency first, so that the heat pump that you install can be smaller, is a huge source, a huge way to drive down upfront costs. Yeah, that brings a question that I have, which is, you know, when people are who are listening are like, "Wow, this sounds cool. I want to start." Or so, Mark, you said like energy audit. That's helpful. It might be what like 500 bucks, 600 bucks to do something like that. Uh, just depending on the size of your home, um, mm-hmm. and there there are you know some some rebates for that, but you know between four and six hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and then and then typically is there like a next step that's the first thing? Is it the is it typically insulation or does it just vary based on your home? It definitely varies based on your home. There's a whole range of you know usually like deferred maintenance things that you know you really want to take care of first. So. Air sealing and insulation is normally it's like the most common thing that, you know, that, that you do because then you're, you, you know, you're knowing that you, you know that you're installing the right size system. So, um, yeah. Can I ask like a dumb heat pump question? Uh, we, do, we do not have one. Um, do they go, they go outside your home, right? So they don't normally go where your furnace would go, like in the basement, say? So, uh, well, it just sort of depends on whether or not you have ducts. Um, so you can do a ducted system or a ductless system. You've probably seen, you know, like hotel rooms, the indoor air handling unit will be up on the wall, and then there'll be like a refrigerant and power line going to the to the out- outdoor unit. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I, I just want to add to uh, to, Laura, to help answer Laura's question about what comes first. Um, certainly efficiency. And I am so glad um, you brought that up, Mark, because that's what takes it from, in my mind, from just pure electrification to actually beneficial electrification or building decarbonization. It's a whole home uh, approach. But I want to go back to something you said much earlier, which was this this new need for cooling, in especially in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. The reality is that our, keeping our homes cool, even in San Francisco, is becoming a matter of public safety, public health. Um, and, and I know we've been lucky in the last few years. We haven't had significant air quality issues. But I remember having to stay locked up in my home with all the windows closed because we in, in the middle of sweltering heat waves. So in, in a case of uh, you do an energy audit, you probably do some deferred maintenance. But really, one of the biggest opportunities right now are these smart ACs that you were mm-hmm. talking about earlier, Laura, which is an air conditioner that also provides heat pump or heating in the winter. It's really only a few hundred dollars more expensive than a traditional air conditioning. I really think about it as sort of the Swiss army knife of, <laughs> uh, of home appliances. It can go which, whichever way. So yes, you would put in maybe, if you want to add cooling to your home, be it a, a window unit or uh, a more ducted system, you add this new appliance and uh, you buy the, when in, when your, your furnace does fail, because it will fail, nothing lasts forever, then you don't have to ever replace that furnace. So it's, yeah, it's a couple hundred dollars more, but you're getting two for the price of one. So that's really a big opportunity that we're going to be focusing on, on for the next couple of years. Let's bring in Sarah and San Rafael. Welcome. Oh, actually, you know what, Sarah? Hang, hang on for just one sec. We'll have, bring you in right after the break. We're talking about home electrification as a growing strategy for addressing climate change. It's our latest installment of Climate Fix, which is Forum's monthly collaboration with the KQED science team. Joined by Laura Clivens, climate reporter with KQED, Alejandra Mejia Cunningham, senior building car- decarbonization advocate with the National Resources Defense Council, Sam Kalish, chief technology officer at Channing Street Copper, Berkeley-based company that makes induction stoves, also known as Mr. Heat Pump, which is the only way we're referring to him here this morning. And we're joined by Mark Hall, CEO and founder of Revalue.io, a company that helps homeowners transition to clean energy sources from their homes. We're going to get to more of your calls and questions after the break. The number is 866-733-6786. Or if you can't get through there, try the email address. It's forum at kqed.org or any of the social things, Twitter, Instagram threads. We're KQED Forum. This is uh, Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant, and we'll be back with more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com.
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about home electrification and its growing strategy for addressing climate change. This is our latest installment of Climate Fix, Forum's monthly collaboration with the science team here at the station. Laura Clivens joins us, climate reporter, Mark Hall, CEO and founder of Revalue.io, Sam Callis, Chief Technology Officer for Channing Street Copper, which makes induction stoves, and Alejandra Mejia Cunningham, Senior Building Decarbonization Advocate with the NRDC. And let's bring in Sarah from San Rafael, as promised. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you so much. Yes, my name is Sarah. I'm calling from San Rafael. We uh, have an all-electric home that we're very happy with, and we made the switch to a heat pump in the fall of 2020. You all were chatting about the extreme smoke days, the extreme heat days, and that's what made us move to get a heat pump was for the cooling. So, um, during those, you know, orange sky days, you all remember, we live in Terra Linda where it gets very hot and we had to keep our windows shut tight because of the smoke and um, we had no AC. And at the same time, you know, peak COVID. So we couldn't go to a hotel to get cooling. We were uh, those were good away. times, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So fun. So, um, so you know, at the time, I, my daughter was two and her room was 95 degrees. We went to, you know, every Home Depot across the Bay Area, sold out of, of fans. Like, it was it was awful. I was really scared, actually. My daughter might have heat stroke. Um, and so we also, at the same time, had a 30-year-old furnace in the house that we bought. And, you know, the home inspector was like, this is a carbon monoxide risk. We wouldn't recommend you running it. And I think that's something people don't think about. Like, it seems really, really, like, an old-school practice to, like, actually burn a fossil fuel inside your home like it's crazy it's a carbon monoxide risk and so we made the switch just like you all were chatting about too the two for one we got two for one we got a brand new ac system and a brand new heating system that keeps us cool on the hottest days and warm on the coldest days and um i also want to make sure people know that there's local rebates too we got this was before the ira was passed so we got a rebate through marin county we got a rebate through bay Ren, and that those rebates now can be on top of the federal tax credit mm-hmm. but we have to do more education our homeowners association had no idea what a heat pump was they almost said no you can't put what in put one in because mm. it's going to be too loud and now um we passed that hurdle and i've gotten three of my neighbors to put in heat pumps because <laughs> they come over and they're like Ah, it's so nice and cool in here. Why, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that experience. You know, um, she mentioned something that I think you wanted to pick up on, Alejandro, which was about, you know, finding that moment of intervention. Because if you've got a 30 year old furnace, like maybe it's time to be thinking about replacement, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, something um, that that help explain helps explain why we're talking about electrifying our homes now. Um, yes, 2050 is when we need to be zeroed out in emissions. But the reality is that our building equipment, like the caller's 35-year-old furnace, lasts for a really long time. And we don't want to be ripping out perfectly useful equipment, say, if... If your water heater got replaced in, say, 2045, 
buy a like like uh, like for like gas because that's what you had access to in that day mm-hmm. then um 5 years later the only way to meet that very important 2050 goal it would have would be to replace to to rip out that perfectly functioning piece of equipment and replace it with an efficient electric one. If that were to happen across the nation, that's a huge waste of resources. So we need to take advantage of every opportunity for what we call a natural replacement, right? Your furnace just does not turn on one day. You turn on the shower one day and your hot water is not hot. Now, that is the time when for the lowest cost, we need to be replacing equipment with with heat pumps, essentially. Uh, what that means is that we really only have one chance at every building from now until 2050, two if we're very lucky. Mm-hmm. And so what that means for the everyday person that lives in a house is you need to be ready for when your equipment fails. Mm-hmm. Go on to switcheson.org. Understand what your options are going to be when, again, you're trying to take a hot uh, hot shower and that's not a possibility that mm-hmm. morning. You don't want to have to wait two weeks to get a heat pump water heater because it's hard. So go on mm-hmm. to switches, uh, switcheson.org. Understand, say, do you need a panel replacement? Do you need new wiring into your mm-hmm. electric, your water heater closet? Um, familiarize yourself with the equipment. And if it starts to fail... Don't wait until the last minute. Start doing, maybe preempted by a couple months so that you're not then sinking a whole bunch of thousands of dollars into something that's just not going to get us there by 2050. Yeah. And then I'm curious about like, so it seems like we're at a place where we have a lot of the technology now. And so you all are working with people. Um, and some of the barrier, like what the caller just said, is education and like messaging. And so I'm curious, like, Mark or Sam, you're going out or Mark specifically, you're going out, you're talking to people um, like what is what is your most successful messaging? Is it about climate? Is it about comfort? How do you talk about this with your customers? Yeah, just what well, I'd say the main thing is um, <clears throat> health and comfort um, in, in, in residential. You know, there's the, the education around, um, you know, like we talked about before, having gas equipment in your home, like even if you don't have that gas on, there's still those emissions that a lot of people, you know, aren't aren't familiar with. So, you know, when you start bringing that up, that's a lot of that research is actually coming out now. Um, so, you know, when we educate people about that, educate people about, like I talked about earlier, the importance of air sealing and insulation, like those are things that you can do that make you more comfortable in your home. You know, there may be areas that are harder to heat up or, or you know, cool down. And so just doing those simple things can, you know, not only help to right size your system, but also, you know, increase the health and, and comfort in your home. Yeah. Um, we need to talk about PG&E because there's a lot of comments coming in. And let's also um, talk about Chris, about what's been happening uh, at his house. Chris in uh, in Crockett, welcome. Oh, hi. Yes. Um, just wanted to, to get your guys' uh, know, uh, yeah. insight into how to deal with these uh, frequent power outages we keep getting uh, in Crockett and Contra Costa County, especially during the um, in the fire season. Right. Public service power shutoffs. Right. Um, and Alejandro, before you uh, answer how to think about this, we also got in, you know, uh, Natha writes in to say this is where the utility provider like PG&E comes in. Any upgrade project that goes through them has a six to nine months wait time, costs upwards of $30,000 if your conduits are underground. Looking at costs and times, I just stick to something gas that costs nothing, works fine. Bill on uh, Discord writes, I'd love to electrify my home, but I ran into many obstacles like costs from PG&E. One of the primary requirements for electrification is to increase the main power supply to 
something like 200 amps or 400 amps. This takes nine plus months and costs tens of thousands of dollars, making this a time consuming and costly process, not incentivized at all. So how do we, you know, when people are running through this process, they're running into these kind of obstacles with their utility. Um, what, how do you, how should they deal with it? Yeah, that was a lot. Um, I think <laughs> I heard three three different issues. Um, just to quickly touch on the public safety uh, shutoffs, um, that that is just a reality that we in California have to live with at this point. I think we will be getting to a place where those are not as frequent. Um, but switching to Efficient electricity is a way to keep your home, if you are able to, put solar panels on and um, use that electricity that comes in while your grid connection is temporary offline. Um, it's it's a way to, to, to live off of the grid right. when yeah. you have to. And I do think one, one very cool thing about elect, uh, heat pump water heaters is that you can use them as a thermal battery, right? You don't need it to get a... a a fancy power wall. You can use your solar power from that morning when it's real or that midday when it's really, really hot and plentiful outside and you can heat your water for the next day's shower and it will stay hot in your mm-hmm. in your water heater until the morning so that you're sort of smoothing out your electric use, which I know the average person doesn't really think about when they use electricity, but it goes a long way to reducing energy costs. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam, I wanted to ask you a bit of like a, a different direction on that kind of set of PG&E um, questions, which is like, how different is our utility here versus maybe some of the other utilities you might have encountered in your work with Rewiring America? Yeah, great question. And certainly the topic of utilities is a huge one and super wonky. Um, but I will say that, you know, roughly we are on the advanced front of electrification and of renewables here in California. Um, that means our uh, the net metering arrangements for solar have undergone more revisions than they have elsewhere. Um, that means there's a more developed market for what are called uh, demand response efforts. So these are programs where you can make money by turning down your thermostat or turning off your loads at certain times. So there, there are significant opportunities once you do electrify to, to actually make back that investment uh, using demand response or using um, time of use rates, which is electricity is cheaper at certain times in the day. And this equipment can be set up to only use it, uh, similar to what Alejandro was saying, uh, only use it at certain times of day and not at others. Um, I will say the the resilience issue as well is a really important one. I'm glad this came up. Um, when done right, electrification provides even more resilience than is available in our system today. You know, the way I think about this is we we maintain maintain two redundant energy systems to our homes today. We have a gas system and an electrical system, and both of them can have problems. Um, gas pipes fail all the time. Gas pipes leak, explode, etc. Um, and as mentioned, there are electricity shutoffs. And so, by centralizing on electricity and building in resilience through the use of solar islanding or batteries or demand response or planning ahead, as Alejandro said. Um, this is the way to actually become more resilient than we are currently today. Yeah. Well, because what I'm what I'm hearing you say also is that we actually have a backup system. We have we have two energy systems running into the home, which is a form of resilience. It's just also one that relies on on fossil fuels. Uh, we have uh, a bunch of uh, comments. I want to get to a couple of them here. Trish writes in. You know, in the last five years. 
We've made gradual changes that have reduced our monthly PG&E bill to under $30, and that's with free use of AC and heat. These include a solar system uh, for which we received a 30% rebate and tax credit, an induction cooktop, and a heat pump HVAC system for which we received $6,000 in incentives. Our only remaining gas appliance is a tankless water heater, which heats only when we turn on a faucet or do laundry. We're very pleased to be helping the environment while saving a significant amount of money. The modifications are not inexpensive, but with incentives and ongoing cost savings, we feel it has been well worth the initial outlay. Susan, similar uh, point. I live in an ADU uh, in my daughter and son-in-law's home. Our stove is induction. My furnace and water heater is a heat pump, essentially forced air, heat and cool for my three-room, one-bath apartment. My car is an EV. Our electricity comes from solar power. Yes, there was an initial expense, but after that, it's much cheaper. Is the state or feds helping with the initial expense? And we've, we've talked a little bit about the different um, places that you could go to find out uh, where that is. Alejandro, can you give that website? one last time switches on uh, switches org. switches on.org yes i remember this time um this is a fundraising period for kqed public radio for more information about how to support kqed go to kqed.org i'm alexis madrigal let's bring in uh, another call here let's bring uh steven in santa rosa welcome hey thank you very much uh, i just wanted to let you know that here in the eastern part of Santa Rosa, we are have big problems when the fires were coming through starting in 2017. And not only is that a huge disruption of life, even if your house does not burn down, ours didn't, luckily, uh, but there are all kinds of expenses of evacuation, the power gets shut off by the supplier, the food in the freezer is destroyed, all these kinds of things happen. And we were we finally said, we, you know, we've got to try to satisfy a number of different goals here. And so we started on a plan to gradually completely electrify the house, solar panels and double-pane windows first. It's an old 1970s mm-hmm. house that needed all this kind of stuff done. We went through the whole process up to and including a couple of Tesla power walls. And now we are resilient. You know, PG&E, or it's actually Sonoma Clean Power is our supplier. Uh, we can have electricity shut off at the house, and we can live carefully in terms of electric consumption for two or three days on the power walls. We've got electric cars. We don't give any money to Chevron anymore. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those very few opportunities I've found in life where you can do well by doing good, we can save lots of money over the long term and be helping the whole climate yeah. situation. So uh, it makes me really happy to be able to do that. And the last point I wanted to make is that when we started the plan, consulted with electricity or uh, solar panel installers and all the contractors you need to get this kind of stuff done, we calculated that with the incentives and the rebates and all those things that are available, our payback time for the total capitalization was going to be about eight years. Hmm. And we're actually ahead of that target. Hmm. And, you know, that payback time is really fast compared to other things you can do with yeah. your money. So, uh, yeah, Stephen, thanks. So, it's a yeah. win, win, win. Really appreciate that. Yeah. And, and just to look, clarify, when, when Stephen's talking about power walls, he's talking about backup batteries. batteries. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Just Tesla makes a 
makes one of the most well-known ones. A um, couple other uh, listeners just wanted to note things that are sort of, you know, adjacent to our conversation, but that they want to make sure, you know, are, are addressed. One listener writes, please make sure to talk about land use. It holds, you know, biggest potential for local greenhouse gas reductions. If we're not all advocating for high-density parking light housing projects near transit, we'll never get a handle on climate change and reach our reduction goals. Mike writes, yes, we should electrify as soon as possible. Don't forget, however, that transportation accounts for 60% of greenhouse gases in San Mateo County. Meanwhile, we're widening Highway 101, encouraging more people to drive. We need to look holistically at the causes of climate change or we won't make any progress. Do you agree with that, Alejandra? Or do you think this is one area in houses where we can make some progress kind of on its own? Oh, I certainly agree that uh, climate change is sort of the the societal ballot of one of the societal battles of our life. And it does need holistic solutions. What the the one thing I will say about sort of the looking at the the emissions pie, um, national, state, even local statistics are very useful in guiding state policy, but in guiding personal choices, what really matters is what you do every day. Mm. Um, because say in California, housing is the buildings are is not the biggest source. Trans, uh, transportation is the biggest source of emissions, but if say for uh, I live in San Francisco, I take a bus everywhere. Those are low emission buses. Um, and when I do drive, I drive an electric car. So really, my biggest, the, the thing that I could do to really reduce my carbon emissions would be electrifying my home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Laura Clevins, uh, if people want to read more about this, you've got a story up, right? Where people yep. can kind of walk through some of this too, right? Well, yeah, yeah I've got a, a story about heat pumps. It, it features Mark at the home of one of his customers. <laughs> you can learn more about the heat pump. All right, that's great. And what's, do you remember the title of it for people who want to How Google? the Unassuming Heat Pump Can Stave Off Warming. There you go. How the it's got a link to Mr. Heat different. Pump video, actually. <laughs> I know you've been wanting to see that. Um, Sam Kalish, advisor to Rewiring America and chief technology officer at Channing Street Copper, also known as Mr. Heat Pump. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, Alejandro Mejia Cunningham, senior building decarbonization advocate for NRDC. Thank you so much for joining us. Such a joy. (laughs) And Mark Hall, CEO and founder of Revalue.io, a company that helps homeowners transition to clean energy sources for their homes. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. And people want to go, if they want to get started on this process, they can just go to Revalue.io, right? Yeah, they can go to Revalue.io, and the the uh, switcheson.org is a a great resource to to get you started. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're going to go out to some Katy Perry, of course. This is uh, Electric. Uh, Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country... We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.